five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
very, very pleased to receive an invitation to participate tonight. It's a momentous occasion when two legends of Jewish music grace the stage together. And I made sure to, uh, to say that if I did come, that I'd get a chance to sing with them. So ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming, welcoming Mordechai Ben David and Avram Fried back to the stage. Pasuket Mishlei says, "Kaved es Hashem mehoincha, honor Hashem with your wealth, with your money." But Chazal understand these words of Shlaima Hamelach to mean much more than giving tzedakah. They darshin mehoincha to mean measher chonancha Hashem. Whatever talents Hashem has bestowed upon you, use those talents to honor Him. These two performers are living examples of this Chazal. They've been blessed with wonderful voices, of course, but it's what they've chosen to do for HaKadosh Baruch Hu with that gift that sets them apart. Musically, their careers have covered an astonishing range of styles. Contemporary Hasidic, Sephardic, English, Yiddish, and Ivrit, and of course, traditional Hasidic. They have been the instrument through which we have learned some of the most beautiful Hasidic nigunim of, of great rebbes. Here is one unforgettable example. Yeah. 
a few. They are also wonderful composers in their own right and possess a great feel for which material to showcase on their albums. Who can forget this rousing niggin of Rebarov Chait that helped to make Avram Fried a household name? was given to me, introduced to me by our good friend Shia Mendelowitz. Thank you, Shia. But it has never been just about music. Through it all, the common denominator was to endeavor to bring Yidin closer to Hashem, strengthening their amuna and the ultimate geula, or simply to be misameach those who needed to be uplifted. I remember back in the 70s attending a Kiruv seminar in California with teenagers who knew little of Yiddishkeit. Yet at a kumzitz on Matzah Shabbos, yet at a kumzitz on Matzah Shabbos, they were all singing together with great intensity this MBD classic. Shema Yisrael, 
Continued throughout his career with songs like Just One Shabbos and in Ivrit of Charlotte Akain, just to mention a few. And of course, how many of his Nagunim have reached in within our community and our ranks to uplift and remind us all that we are Maminim B'nai Maminim. By the way, I must say, Abi, you know, you have a pretty good record yourself. <laughs> You've written dozens and dozens and dozens of songs. Just a little This was the point. <laughs> Reviving and repopularizing the brilliant music of Chabad Hasidus and the inspiring lyrics of Rabbi Yom Erlev are just some of the projects Avramel has taken upon himself over the years. And these projects were never about CD sales. They were, have been labors of love to bring chizuk and inspiration to Klal Yisrael to infuse us all Absolutely. with the strength, the kayach, to be better you <laughs> And they, they have both been such wonderful proponents of the obligation upon us all to be Metzapeli Yeshua. Reminding us that someday we will all be together and that Yerushalayim is Oyre Shel Oylam. 
Through their songs, we conjure up for ourselves that there is no place in the world as beautiful as Yerushalayim Er HaKadosh. Amy, if I may, speaking about Yerushalayim, friends, Avi has some great songs about Yerushalayim. Some amazing songs about Yerushalayim. One of my favorites, one of my favorites is... chords that I don't usually play, oh. so I really rehearsed it. So we, we, can, we can call Yossi, find out. And it's a wonderful nigga. people in need. 
in particular their connection to the children of Hass, not just performing on this stage in Manhattan, but going to Camp Hass, singing for the children, or giving chizik to kids and their families here in the city. For we, we must not forget that it is those special children that's the reason that we're here tonight. So we thank you tonight for doing your share for the gift of bright sunshine and fresh country air. And although that's a fact, you've done much more than that. You've shown these dear children just how much you care. There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart. A glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part. To reach out and touch it with love. Small piece of heaven in everyone's heart. Glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part. To reach out and touch it. To reach out and touch it. To reach out and touch it with love. Amy Rottenberg. J.M. in the A.M. An amazing A.B. Rottenberg tribute off of Hask 26. And uh, quite appropriate that we're playing that. Because we are about to unveil tomorrow morning with Ding in studio. Hask, let's see, what number would it be? Is it 27 or 28? <laughs> Whatever the latest is from January of 2014, I'd start counting. But my gosh, <laughs> I'd probably lose track at some point. The latest from A Time for Music, the latest Hask release is uh, out there. And uh, we'll speak about it tomorrow morning right here at JM in the AM. Should be extremely Interesting. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday on this June 24th, the 26th of Sivan. In fact, I believe, ooh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, because you never know if it's a surprise or not. Hmm. Now I really don't know what to do. <laughs> but uh, let's just say that the likelihood of us visiting and actually doing some broadcasting from Cab Hask, like we've done in the past, with a lot of great success, I might add, um could be uh could be in the very near future could be happening sooner than you think let's put it that way so that's a ab and company with that amazing tribute off of uh, has 26 shlemy daskal had dance with daskal yakov shweki with the wedding album and regesh modani opening things up we'll do that one for listener moshe and to say good morning it's tuesday on this 24th of june 26th of sivan and 67 degrees partly cloudy High of 83 tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature 85. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 84. Tel Aviv, Haifa, 82, a lot at 95. Up in Guilford, New York, they're busily preparing for the Big Camp Misora 2014 season. 67 degrees, heading up to 83 later on. 
as the Missouri staff is getting ready with last-minute preparations before the big orientation begins later this week. Here in Jersey City, it's 67 degrees. A little bit of an exhausted JM and the AM staff for good reason. We had the amazing opportunity last night to celebrate with uh, Rebecca and Jason Katz, Mazal Tov, to the Fine and Katz and Mann families from all of us here at JM and the AM. It was a spectacular wedding. Up at Marina Del, Marina Del Rey, Big Ashikoch, the Shlaimi Dax, and at Svi Reda, and, um, Yumi Lowy, and Aryeh Kunstler, and everybody who had a great role in the Labadik and exciting, uh, wedding last night. It was really a spectacular and a beautiful, uh, um, get together up at Marina Del Rey, and, um, what can I say? The first uh, JM and the AM Wedding next generation has taken place. Rebecca and Jason Mazaltov, you had the, uh, an amazingly exciting wedding with a great group of, uh, of friends and relatives all gathered, uh, to share in the beautiful Simcha. So Mazaltov to you from all of us here at JM and the AM. 16 minutes before the hour. It's JM and the AM with a reminder that it's App Week. It is App Week. And I want, I don't even know who to congratulate from yesterday. We're trying to find out the official name of the official winner. From uh, yesterday's first day of our app week, with a big thank you to Gotham Burger, who uh, sponsored our Beats presentation for yesterday, or Beats contest, I should say. Uh, today, if you go to the Nahum Siegel Network, if you go to the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page, and I'm on it right now, you'll see that it's day two of the NSN app week celebration. Uh, one of the things we're celebrating is that users can share all their favorite NSN content seamlessly via all social media channels. And all you got to do right now is like and share the image that you'll see on the Nahum Siegel Network page. Look for the uh, posting that says it's day two. Uh, like and share the image with your Facebook friends. The fan with the most likes and shares by the end of the day wins a pair of delicious chocolate gift baskets, one to keep and one to share with a friend. Sponsored by our friends at Gourmet Glot in Cedarhurst. So do that now. And you'll be able to, um, you'll be able to have a chance to win that, uh, to win that prize for today. And don't forget, so you want to look for, on the Nahum Single Network Facebook update page, you want to look for day two. It says it's day two of NSN's App Week celebration. And don't forget that on Twitter, Anybody who, you, what you want to do all week is use the hashtag NSN app. Hashtag NSN app. When you do that on Twitter this week, you have a chance to win two airline tickets anywhere in the continental United States provided by our friends at Traveler's Choice. Restrictions do apply, but you have a chance to win two tickets to anywhere in the U.S. Uh, simply by uh, using that hashtag as much as possible. Whoever uses it the most all through the week is going to be the winner of that great prize this coming Friday. All right, that's how it works. Our contests are in full-fledged gear, or full gear, I should say. <laughs> I'm a little punchy, I guess, from the late night last night. And uh, and you should be uh, you should be hashtagging and doing all that other stuff that we say on social media so that um, uh, you have a chance to win this week. Simple as that. By the way, later in this program, and th- this is an amazing get, if not for any other reason that um, it's almost impossible to get him here live in studio because of where he lives. He lives on the West Coast. 
Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is going to be in our studio this morning. He's rabbi of the Pacific Jewish Center in California since 2008. And uh, he's all over social networking. And uh, he is a uh, well-known and well-regarded blogger, columnist, voice of what's called the moderate Orthodox Judaism community. And uh, he's really all over the place. So uh, we will... um, we will speak to the man responsible for thinkorswim.com. That's Aliyahu Fink, thinkorswim.com. He should be visiting us in the 8 o'clock hour this morning right here at JM in the AM. And believe you me, we are looking forward to it. So a lot of excitement. Even when there's no excitement here, there's plenty of excitement. It's amazing. Hardly any excitement. There's still so much excitement. Just incredible. Uh, Ms. Marla Soda. This comes from the Avodah Shabalei, volume number 2 at JM in the AM. Shem Hu Elohim 
in the AM. Tuesday morning with Yaeli Greenfeld and Imesh Gachech, a minute before 7 o'clock in morning, all news from Israel coming up next. Uh, before Yaeli Greenfeld, you heard the uh, Mizmor Lasoda done by Avodah Shabalei, volume number 2. Today, there's a prime. I know there's a primary where I live. Maybe there's some primaries where you live as well. Make sure to vote for the candidate who is most outspoken on the uh, issues that we care about. How's that? That's a uh, parv way of putting it, wouldn't you say? Speaking of voting, don't forget you could exercise your right to vote on the 9 at 9 link at the very top at NahumSiegel.com. Tonight is the 9 at 9. Yes, he's why we'll have that at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmtheam.org. By the way, there is a winner of yesterday's contest, the Beats are won by a Shimon Cohen of Teaneck, New Jersey. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. It's very simple, folks. All through App Week this week on Facebook, all you have to do is go to the Nahum Siegel Network page and share the Day 2 image. You'll see it. It'll be the first thing that pops up when you go to that page. The Day 2 image. Whoever shares it and likes it the most wins the prize. Today it's the beautiful chocolate gift baskets provided by our friends at Gourmet Glot when Naomi is going to be live this coming Friday. Thank you, Gourmet Glot out there on Long Island. And all the Gourmet Glots are providing that. That's much appreciated. And all through the week, anyone who uses the hashtag NSN app the most, NSN app the most on Twitter, will be the winner of those two tickets for two to anywhere in the continental United States provided by our friends at Traveler's Choice. Restrictions do apply. They are providing that gift as we celebrate App Week at the Nahum Siegel Network. So make sure to uh, be tuned in and um, use that hashtag as much as possible. Use our app as much as possible, the brand-new NSN app on Android or on your iPhone. And remember, you can comment right there on the app during our show. You can actually comment during the show on the app. How cool is that? It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, jmnam.org. Oh, sorry about that. Hit the wrong button, I think. Where is our news from Israel? Hmm, let's see if we could find it. Hopefully news from Israel is coming up. I ask everybody to remember to continue to pray for Eyal Gilad and Naftali, the three abducted teens in the Holy Land. Let us continue to pray for their safe return as their family members continue to make the rounds and make a, a tremendous impression on everybody whenever they speak in um, any type of public forum, whether it's their own home or the United Nations or United Nations affiliate, wherever the case is. Um... There's a tremendous amount of pain, but the amount of strength is just unbelievable. Are we having trouble? Looks like we're having trouble connecting to our news from Israel. That does happen once in a while. So we'll move into hour number two uh, during this uh, App Week celebration at JMN. Plenty more coming up. Keep it here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 FM and around the world on the web, jmn.org.
Vavara Kunishma Kunishma Eta Iruhimira Vitvotav Shibu
J.M. and the A.M. with Leviathan. Calls that Sof Davar here at J.M. and the A.M. Before that, Baruch Levine. Song Shalom from the CD entitled Chasana Torah. Shlomo Katz opened up the hour with Shema Koleinu as we continue to pray for the release of Ayal, Gilad, and Naftali here at J.M. in the A.M. Reminded everybody to keep them in our prayers all through the day, every single day. Today is primary day in many places. Uh, make sure to vote for those candidates that are outspoken on the issues important to you. That would be a good piece of advice. I uh, have not heard yet about the event last night when uh, President Richard Joel addressed the uh, the uh, gathering of New Jersey Chabad Shluchim and all others who attended uh, last evening in uh, West Orange, New Jersey. If anybody wants to email me a review, would love to hear what happened last evening. I'm sure it was spectacular. App Week has been launched as of yesterday. Mazel Tov to Shimon of Teaneck, New Jersey, picked up yesterday's prize. Today, it's a um, a double chocolate gift basket presented by Gourmet Glot. All you got to do is go to the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page, like and share the day two image as much as possible, and whoever does it the most or gets the most likes and shares is going to be declared the winner. Plus, remember, all through the week, use the hashtag on Twitter, NSN app. That's NSN app. Use it on Twitter. Whoever uses it the most this week is going to go on a a trip for two to somewhere in the continental United States, courtesy of our friends at Traveler's Choice. Restrictions do apply, but we thank them for uh, sending some lucky winner this week anywhere in the USA. I'm looking at some of the comments that have been coming in regarding the NSN app. Remember, you can actually comment on the app itself during whatever program you're listening to. So some people are telling us they're tuned in from Yerushalayim. Some are talking about the music. Some are talking about yesterday's amazing show by Mayor Weingarten, the Israel Show, which happened right after the uh, JM and the AM program yesterday morning. Listener Yehudis is thankful that we included Schlockrock in our mix. <laughs> Lenny Solomon is getting ready for his big 5774 camp concert uh, season. See, uh, camp tour for this season. And I want to give a special hello to somebody who's identified as Schwiger One. Our comment on the app from Schwiger1 says, already tuned in and enjoying the music and listening. Well, thank you very much for that. Much appreciated. Tuesday morning broadcast with 67 degrees, partly cloudy and a high temperature of 83. Tonight is the 9-9 presented by Yossi Zweig at 9 p.m. Eastern time this evening on the stream at jmandtheam.org. If you want to vote, and I remind you, you get your chance to vote in the 9 at 9. Do so now. Go to the 9 at 9 link at NahumSiegel.com. You'll see it at the top of the page. And you'll have a chance to uh, to vote and participate in that democratic process. It is democratic, right? <laughs> as far as I know. How do I get to NahumSiegel.com? Here it is. You think I know how to do that. Here's the 9 at 9. I will vote right now. I will not reveal my vote, but I will vote right now. Let's see what's a new song out there. Ooh, I like this song. I have just voted. They've counted my vote and everything. Brand new Ari Goldwag. He's next at JM in the AM.
about that jam in the am Aaron Razel with um with uh Kolha Ruchochabaulam a recent single here at JM in the AM yesterday I mentioned and before that 
before we talk about yesterday. Uh, before that, Ari Goldwag with Zahazman. You heard Leviathan with Sof Davar. I mentioned yesterday that there was um, a special shout-out to a group. I believe it was uh, SAR and um, Muncie, New York. I think it was Muncie, who were cited uh, for uh, having um, uh, donated a snack and drink for Israeli soldiers who were near Hebron and... Uh, we're simply desperate for a snack or drink. And some American uh, people had responded and kicked in some money for people to maintain the uh, snack and the drink location in the gush. And uh, I just, I then got an email from listener Stewart and he says, here's an organization that we support that sends snacks and goodies to IDF soldiers. And, um, that is called Sahal dash pizza.com t-s-a-h-a-l dash pizza.com t-s-a-h-a-l dash pizza.com so that was one email that came through and then listener listener fern told me that there's an organization led by our friend ziva who grew up in Passaic that's coordinating a whole bunch of stuff for the israeli soldiers in that area that are searching for the kidnapped boys and uh, that is uh, is it, and there's an article about it on Israel National News. Um, they sent me the link to it, which reads Anglo's lead campaign to help our soldiers help our boys. I'm just making sure here that they have some type of uh, some type of web address. Did I have a web address for it? Uh, hang on a second. It's connecting to the source. Hopefully we'll have it for you in a second. Yeah, it's called juicer.com. J-E-W-C-E-R dot com. And if you just search, uh, project help the soldiers help our missing boys, any of those, you will see how they've raised over $25,000 of a $7,000 goal to help Israeli soldiers at this time. So it's on juicer. Again, it's, um, a J-E-W-C-E-R. Uh, search for a project that's sort of like help the soldiers help our missing boys, that type of thing. If you put in any of those, uh, you'll reach. And if you get to that Arut Sheva Israel National News article about it, uh, there's a link in the article to it. So those are just a couple of responses we got when we cited the incredible work being done in Israel by some of the people from here. Um, also, today there is a rally. Today on this 24th of June, there is a rally at 12 noon, 42nd and 2nd outside the Israeli consulate. We encourage everybody, of course, to attend. Uh, it is sponsored by a long list of organizations, and I'm going to go through all of it right now. All of it. Stand with us, strength to strength, in partnership with Orthodox Union, National Council of Young Israel, Rabbinical Council of America, Yeshiva University Center for the Jewish Future, AEPI, H New York, Amcha Coalition for Jewish Concerns, American Committee for Shari Tzedek, American Freedom Defense Initiative, Ari Vud, B'nai Zion Foundation, Council of Jewish Organizations of Staten Island, Cycle for Unity, Drawer for the Wounded, Friends of Betzalel, Fuel for Truth, Hadassah, the Women's Zionist Organization of America, Hasbara Fellowships, IAC Dor Hadash, Israeli American Council of New York, 
Israel America, Israel Forever Foundation, Jewish National Fund, Jewish Orthodox Feminist Alliance, Jewish Student Connection, JICNY, Manhattan Jewish Experience, Motsamiko Meet New York, Mothers Against Terrorism, National Council of Young Israel, New Rochelle Jewish Coalition, One Family Together, One Israel Fund, Orthodox Union, Rabbinical Council of America, RAGE, Rabbinical Council of America, SAR Academy, Solomon Schechter School of Westchester, the Israeli Center of the Kaplan JCC on the Palisades, Westchester Day School, Westchester Jewish Council, Yeshiva University Center, and Yeshiva Chavrei Torah, and Yeshiva Maharat, and Young Judea. They are all part of this rally today. Kolakavod to all the groups, to all the people, to everybody out there who will take time during the noon hour at 42nd Street and 2nd Avenue today outside the Israeli consulate to participate in a, in a solidarity rally with Israel. Your help, of course, is greatly appreciated. And Kolakavod to those who organized it and to all the organizations that have hopped on as sponsors and all the people that have made commitments to be there. Try your best to be there during the 12 noon hour this afternoon in New York City. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Yechanishmasar of Zebin of Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. All right. Seems that we're having a slight problem in general with our audio. I apologize for that. We'll try this. Rabbi David Goldwasser. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> All righty. Let's see if we can clear this up and get everybody going the way we want them to. Hang on a second. Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. The Chashukei Chemen asks the following Shaila. How far does one have to go to save another person? At the time of Sakona, of danger, the postgame, the codifiers are divided whether one has to put himself in danger to save someone else. The Chavetz Chaim says, if there is a suffix, a person does not have to endanger himself. However, we have to weigh it carefully, not to be too medactic, not too careful. If the Sakana is somewhat less, it's a mitzvah to save the person, and that mitzvah is on every single Jew. The proof is from Makas Tzvardim in Mitzrayim. Rashi says that Chananya, Mishol, and Azariah they learned the Kalvachomer, a fortfori, from the frogs who weren't commanded to be Moser Nefesh, to self-sacrifice, but they did so anyway. How much more so, we the servants of Hashem, have to be Moser Nefesh for each other. The Mnei Sosha points out that the Tzfardim were in fact commanded to do this, as we learn in the Pasuk and Shmos. However, he notes that the command was not specifically addressed to any one frog, but rather to all of the frogs. Each one could have gotten out of his obligation and put the burden on the next one. Instead, they all clamored to be Mekadeh Shem Shomayim, to sanctify the name of Hashem. That's the Kalvachomer, that Hananya Mishol Nazariah wished to be those that would save the Jewish nation. We see from this how very important it is for all of us, especially at this time, to do all that we can, whatever is in our Yecholos, for our three kidnapped brothers. Each of us must fill the Chayv Kadosh, the holy responsibility, to do all that we can from wherever we're at in the world. Laman Achenu B'nai Yisrael. Each of us has the power to learn. Each of us has the power to say to him, each of us has the power to give tzedakah. 
We should also use whatever diplomatic channels we can possibly open to reach out to the public, to inspire the masses to get involved. Leman Achenu Bnei Yisrael. We will not rest until they are safely home. Leman Sion Lo Echesheh. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. May we soon hear Besuros Tavos.
Zusammen soll mir ein Kind der Geschichte kennen, immer heiler, That's Lipa with Altis Halel. Comes from the CD entitled A Pusher Yid here at JM and the AM. Well, we're finally getting down to the, uh, the heart of this mystery about, uh, SAR and, uh, Muncie, New York being given credit for one of the projects that, uh, is helping Israeli soldiers who are searching for the boys. Uh, I want to thank, um, uh, one of our listeners who sent me a message that was sent by Rena Rossman um, to her complete synagogue list. The message here says as follows. Our shul-based Torah sent out this message from Rena last week. She's an amazing teacher at SAR and a wonderful family um, here in Base Torah. And uh, Rena writes, Dear member, Karen Rossman has returned home, and she has told me that they've set up a huge army base in Rosh Tzurim, where they live, she Dovi. And my Machatanim would like to uh, be instrumental in helping to get pizza and other necessities to soldiers. We'll be going into the neighboring Shunot and working toward the release of our boys. If you're interested in contributing to the cause, checks will be made payable to Base Torah, who will forward the money to us. So that was the, uh, and Base Torah is based on uh, West Carlton Road in Suffern, New York. So now we understand, I believe, finally, the uh, SAR Muncie connection and say Kalakavo to those who are helping out. By the way, listener Laser. Uh, pointed out to me via email that another organization that's really popular out there called Standing Together is helping with the effort as well to provide what the soldiers need. S-Together.org. That's letter S, like Sam. S-Together.org. And if you go to that website, from what I am told, you'll be able to get information about how to help out as well. JM in the AM, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is going to join us. Many of you know him from his uh, blogging and uh, major presence on social media. He's actually in our studio and will be joining us in a few minutes here at JM and the AM. An amazing get for us. It's Tuesday at JM and the AM with a, a big Mazda of wish going out to the extended Fine and Katz and Mann families. Rebecca Fine and Jason Katz married last night. We had an amazing time. It's why it's one of the reasons why the JM and the AM staff sounds so exhausted this morning. We had an amazing time till late at night last evening at the beautiful wedding up at Marina Del Rey. We just had a, a, a phenomenal and wonderful celebration with the Hassan and Kala and their families. And we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. It was really a big milestone for everybody associated with this radio program. Our first next generation wedding. Really cool. Primary day in a lot of places today. Make sure to vote for those who are uh, out there advocating for causes important to you. Primary day in a bunch of places, including New York City. You have until 9 p.m. in New York. To vote this evening. And speaking of voting, don't forget Yassi's Wag is going to be uh, taking care of the 9 at 9 tonight. Nine most popular tunes of the week based on your votes. You can vote right now if you go to the top link at the page of, uh, at, if you go to the top of the page, NahumSiegel.com and hit the 9 at 9 link, you'll be able to, um, to vote for your favorite right now. Congratulations to Shimon from Teaneck, New Jersey. He was the winner in yesterday's contest. Uh, for App Week here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Congratulations. He'll be getting those beats. Today's prize is that double chocolate basket, one for you and one for a friend, uh, that'll be given by a Gourmet Glot, our friends out on Long Island. 
So all you got to do, it's very simple. You go to Nahum Siegel Facebook update page, Nahum Siegel Network, I should say, Facebook update page. Like and share the image for day two of our app week as much as possible. Whoever likes it and shares it the most will win today's prize courtesy of Gourmet Glot. And don't forget on Twitter, uh, whoever uses the hashtag NSN app in celebration of our brand new app, which is really amazing and I keep hearing about it. Last night someone told me they're on their way to Rwanda for a bunch of weeks. And the the thing they're happiest about is that they're carrying a, along a uh, an iPhone or iPad and they'll have the uh, Nahum Single Network app with them. So we'll be keeping the people company in Rwanda. Anyway, I digress. Uh, don't forget, all week long, whoever uses the hashtag NSN app the most on Twitter, uh, you'll get a, a free trip for two to anywhere in the continental United States, courtesy of our friends at Traveler's Choice. Restrictions do apply, uh, but they are giving away that prize for whoever uses the NSN app hashtag as much as possible this week, and we thank them for that. So we have a lot of very fun stuff going on this week during our app celebration week. And um, uh, don't forget, you can actually comment on whatever show we're doing at the time. You can actually comment. For instance, Rabbi Fink is going to join us. You can actually comment about what he says or ask a question through the comment section, which is right on the home page. You'll see it on the bottom right of the uh, of the brand new NSN app for Android and iPhone. Yeshiva Chalvim and Chalvim for Women has their annual dinner tonight. We want to say Mazal Tov to all the honorees. Dinner begins with cocktails at 6 p.m. at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in downtown Manhattan. Log on for last-minute information, shalvimdinner.org, shalvimdinner.org. More coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
get back to California I'm gonna round up every truth I've ever known I'm gonna sit down right down there in front of me I'm gonna take out this guitar and sing them all these songs Times a day to him. Throw away the cars and bombs, the stocks and bombs, and up catalogs. Grab a boat, a plane, and swim. See, some folks got a Lincoln, Continental. Tinted glass, so nobody sees it. And a minute before 8 o'clock on this Tuesday, it's App Week here at the Nachum Siegel Network, which means very simply, if you go and like and share the Day 2 image on the Nachum Siegel Network Facebook update page, whoever shares it and likes it the most will be a winner. Today's prize provided by Gourmet Glot. I thank them at in Cedarhurst. The double chocolate basket, one for you and one for a friend. That's the prize today. Yesterday's prize went to Shimon of Teaneck, New Jersey, who liked and shared the most our Day 1 Image on the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. And don't forget on Twitter, whoever uses the NSN app hashtag, hashtag NSN app the most this week, 
Trip for two anywhere in the continental United States provided by our friends at Traveler's Choice. Restrictions do apply. Good luck. We'll announce that prize, I guess, sometime Friday afternoon, sometime before candlelighting time. Or who knows? Maybe we'll wait till Saturday night. We'll really become adventurous. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmdm.org. You heard Moshe Hecht with God is Alive and Well in Jerusalem. Benny Friedman before that with the HTIGFA. Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is in our studio. I'll allow him through the purpose, through the, uh, through this conversation, I should say. I'll allow him to, uh, introduce himself and, um, and tell us a little bit about himself. Don't want to give you any titles and associations yet till you hear the whole story. Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is from the west coast of this country. He has a, a very popular blog. You can check out finkorswim.com. We're also proud to announce that during the 5775 NSN season, he'll be a member of our rotating hosts of a stunt show hosts, as we like to call them, that airs on Thursday afternoon on this um, network. Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, welcome to JM in the AM. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Is the entire West Coast up early this morning, knowing that you're here visiting us today? I'm fairly certain they are not. <laughs> Things don't work like that on the West Coast, huh? Luckily, there's an app. <laughs> yes, I know. There's an app for that. And they'll be able to hear it later on, uh, this conversation. So you originally, I assume, are from the East Coast. And in fact, you mentioned that you used to listen to JMDM as a youngster. That's true. Growing up, uh, driving to Ashar in the mornings when I was in elementary school, uh, JMDM was our soundtrack. Well, I appreciate that. When did you head out West? I've been in Los Angeles for 10 out of the last 11 years. And why? Why would a nice Jewish boy from the East Coast go to California? I went to do a job, and I thought I was coming back very quickly. When I went for my interview for this first job, it was a campus outreach job at USC, and I was so certain that I was not taking this job, I actually asked a Shaila if I was allowed to take the free trip because I knew that it was just a free trip and there was no chance that I was going to be living there. And my rabbi said, do they know that you're not, you're not planning on coming? And I said, of course. He told them. I said, of course. He said, they want you to come anyway? I said, I guess so. So we went, and uh, we were hooked pretty quick. And that was the USC campus. That's correct. A very well-known college here in this country. So you could tell us from your experiences in the front line just how tough things are on the college campuses for Jewish kids. Absolutely. It was a, re- a really incredible experience to be there um, just a, a, a life that I had no idea existed growing up in the from community right. of people that are passionately Jewish or passionately not into their Judaism with passion and um, just the way that people are interested in finding out more and learning about a world that they also didn't know really existed. And that campus position was under, I assume, some type of organizational umbrella, right? Someone sent you out there. <laughs> exactly. There's an organization in, in Southern California called Ashrenu or JAM. Oh, uh, yeah. Jewish Awareness Movement, Bracha Zeret, a very well-known right. Kirov and Rabbi Klatsko kind of broke his teeth in that uh, Kirov world. Right. Um, so She's the lady that everyone talks about, right? That's, that's the one. Bracha, who you mentioned, right? <laughs> exactly. Everyone's always talking about this Kirov lady, so she's the one. She's the one. In <laughs> fact, she started out with um, you know knocking on doors at TV University in, uh, in, in Jerusalem before they, moved to, before they moved to the United States. I mean, she was on the front lines of Kirov in the 70s the early 80s, doing it all by herself. When did you start your association with the Pacific Jewish Center? This will be the end of my sixth year. What type of synagogue is it? 
It is the type of synagogue that defies definition, which is the exact kind of the synagogue that I am happy to be a part of. Um, in many, How would we categorize it? Um, it makes what category in the Jewish newspapers around the country? Right. How is it identified? <laughs> so it, it became famous in the uh, late 70s, 80s, because Rabbi Daniel Abin, famous rabbi, oh, sure. um, created a movement in that shul. And that, that was a huge cure of movement where there were... About, I think he told me 111 weddings of couples that were both from the shul at the same time in the yeah. 80s. I mean, it's a huge number, and all those people were from. Um, and that's really where the community got built. Um, so there was this from community of people that had lived in Venice or lived in Santa Monica and become part of this shul. And then through the years, many of them had become alumni. They'd moved on. They've gone all over the world. Any from community in the world has somebody that was part of that community at right. some point. And through the last couple decades, there's been a group of people that have lived there, they've stayed there, plus all the other people that are there because they've come to move to that community, plus, you know, it's Venice. I don't know if you, what you know about Venice. But yeah. I what hear- you've heard, it's way, way different. It's way more than that. You Whatever know, it was. a friend of mine lived in Los Angeles for a while, and we were discussing what Jewish life is out there on the West Coast in general. And this may be way too general a term, but... It seems like um, all that we here in the East and other parts of the U.S. think about the West Coast in terms of their priorities when it comes to beauty and when it comes to, uh, you know, looking and acting a certain way is in fact true. Would you say that the values out there do lack something compared to other areas of the country? I wouldn't say it's fair to say lack because I think there are different values on both sides. In other words, there are different values between the East Coast and the West Coast. And in, in putting it into almost positive terms, I would say that there is a superficiality that exists there that right. is not present as much in New York. In New York, Hollywood-like. Right. And the way it actually manifests itself sometimes is kind of interesting. So in New York, you know, people are less friendly when you see them on the street. They don't smile. Allegedly. It's no it's true. I'm from here. Can't fool me. But you know, the people they're not outwardly friendly. Right. But neighborhoods exist where people are really close to each other. Correct. And in Los Angeles, people are very friendly. You see people on the street, they're smiling, they're high, they're whatever, but there's very little beyond that. There's very little community that grows deeper than that. So if we observe the Orthodox communities, I don't know, take those here or, you know, compared to the ones that you're referring to out there, regular modern Orthodox communities, we would notice that difference. We would see that it doesn't have the tightness, the closeness, the very close association that we're used to over here. I wouldn't say it's as obvious when it comes to the from communities because we have our own kind of internal connections. The Jewish geography exists no matter where you're from. Right. But when you're talking about the rest of the rest of the community, that is a stereotype that exists there. But there are also things there that are much better, I think, or much easier or much Besides more. Besides the weather. Yeah, the weather. But it actually contributes. You know, Right, um, that's true. I've always said when I was working at co- in college campus that the difference between working at USC and college campuses that had cold weather right. was that in the winter, people, when school mostly is during the time of the year where it start, it's colder, and you, you can just imagine the wind is howling, the snow is coming down, the rain is falling, yep. and people are clutching their coats and tightly closing their their That's their, their priority. Right. To stay warm. Right. But when you outwardly manifest this this feeling of closedness to to stay closed, then you become more close to new ideas. Whereas if in, in and everybody knows this in Southern California, anything goes. People right. are more open, and it kind of manifests itself in the way that they are not having to tightly keep themselves warm. I was in L.A. for a wedding in February, and you know what kind of winter we had here. So I'm there for one day and woke up really early in the morning to make the flight back. 
and I see people jogging on the street and with their morning coffee at 5.30 a.m., and I'm saying to myself, it's all about the weather. It's all about the weather. It's all about that type of atmosphere. Right. And it's not just the weather actually makes a huge difference in lifestyle. People are outside. People are right. able to feel comfortable. People go for walks every day. It's just a very different vibe when you have people that are able to enjoy. I, I think it's beautiful because you get to enjoy a God's world. Right. And it's, in, it's, in, it's in, in a beautiful way physically and also because of the emotional differences. Great. Excuse the diversion, but that's why so many great athletes in this country, such a large percentage, come from California. They have time to play ball 12 months out of the year constantly. So That's true, but other, on the other hand, there are also a lot of times are the flops because they haven't had to break their teeth or get through the grit of having to kind of survive a winter. And now, this is a good topic for the stud show. <laughs> I must, we must do this at one time. Absolutely. Compare absolutely. the background of those who are breaking their, their, who are breaking their bones in, uh, in bone chilling weather and those who have it really easy when it comes to tossing around the football. Uh, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is here, Finkerswim.com. So you've become well known for a whole bunch of stuff, including the fact that you give a supersonic speed dafyomi shear. That's not true or it is true? Well, I did the Dafyomi for over a year, oh. and um, it was I loved it. It was very successful, and I really enjoyed it. I, I loved having that niche of doing it in a, in, a qu- in a quick and fast way that maybe it was hard to find another class, especially online, that would be able to give that um, to people. And then this year, I had a shift in scheduling and priorities. I was unable to, to put the time and effort that was necessary for Do you hear class. from people complaining that it's not available right now? It's it's not as much complaints as it's guilt trips. <laughs> <laughs> they but, want you back. Yeah, and I I do really uh, there is not there's not there's probably not a day go by where because you know it's impossible to avoid a reference to the Duffy. I mean, everywhere you go, people right. are writing you know or talking about it, and I'm always thinking to myself, I should I should really be doing that again. So it's in my plans to kind of uh, resurrect that, and hopefully we'll be able to do it soon. Uh, you get you actually were part, and, and one of the people who introduced me to Rabbi Eliyahu Fink before we actually met in person was Matis Weingast. You actually did one of the siyumim for him during his Sunday show. You had to get up really in the morning, early in the morning to do that uh, from the California, from out in California. But uh, I remember that I was part of that program. Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is here. So the blog, I would assume, is what has made you most popular out there. This is what everyone uh, thirsts for to read what you have written. Well, first, popular is a strange word. Popular makes it sound like everybody likes it. That's true. So there's, uh, there's it's brought you fame. Let's put it that way. Well, I don't know what the opposite of that would be, but there's definitely a lot of In- pe- infamy would be the opposite. But I think in your case, we could say fame, though. Well, it goes, it goes, it really does go both directions. For me, it was not, it was never about that. It kind of happened all by accident. It's a whole story of itself how that all happened. Um, and, and the truth is, the blog, which is the under the URL, thinkorswim.com, right. has become a very specific niche of my overall internet presence. So there's one part of it which is represented by what I do on the blog, and then there's other stuff that gets represented by what I do writing for other publications or what I do on the social media sites like Facebook and Twitter or whatever. So what's the goal of all these? Tell us what the goal of your Facebook presence is and what the goal of the blog is. There are many goals, but the overall goal is kind of to try and merge and be connected to what I try to do in my shul. You asked earlier what my shul is right. like, and we never really did answer that question. I got sidetracked with the, uh, with the football references. <laughs> but my personal goal and what I use the shul to do and what it is as a, as a, as a resource is a place that provides positive Jewish experiences to the maximum number of people. And the goal of that is it sounds easy. But it's actually pretty hard. Most places, most religious institutions, most people, most most thinkers, most groups are very narrow. And it's hard for people to kind of enjoy or be able to experience things that are outside what they're used to. And the shul has this amazing ability to transcend all that. People from all, and I mean this without exaggeration, every single kind of Jew 
has come to our shul, observant, not observant, from whatever background, whether they're very, very Haredi, whether they're very, very modern, whether they went from one to the other, and whether they're in transition, or whether they are very Sephardic in background, whether they're very Ashkenazi, whether they are Israeli, whether they are French, Italian, we have United Nations there. It's every kind of Jew is present, and the most important thing to us is that they have a good experience. And it's not easy to do, but we try our best to pull it off, and then that has become the entire goal of what I try to do on the Internet as well. Um, it seems that there are a lot of people out there that have not had experiences where they have felt either heard or had somebody speaking about the ideas that they've thought about on their behalf. And the overall goal, and sometimes it may be obscured or hard to see it, but the overall goal is to provide a forum and a venue and an opportunity for people to have a place in the conversation to be part of this Jewish discussion. Right. And so Facebook's a good example of that. Obviously, you get interaction with people. I assume people comment on your blogs as well. It does happen from time to time. Right. Like <laughs> uh, on a regular basis. Well, it's interesting. You know, it's evolved because, you know, four or five years ago, very few from people were on Facebook. Right. And I was on it from the days at USC. I was on it for 10, 11 years, and I didn't even have any from friends for like five or six years. It was like a few exceptions, but mostly everybody was the people that I met through work. And um, in the beginning, when I started this, on the blog, there were more comments on the blog and there were very few comments on Facebook. And the conversation has actually moved. And instead of having longer conversations on a regular basis on the blog, there still are very often long conversations. But the bulk of the discussion ends up being on Facebook. And also because Facebook is a platform that moves quicker than blogs, the discussions are more often and they come about, about different things as well. Whereas on a blog, things kind of focus one thing per day, one thing for every two days or whatever. Do you get the feeling sometimes that the observant worldwide Jewish community is on Facebook too much? Or you would never say that? What do you mean by too much? Do you mean that there's, no, no, there's more and more time? No, or? as more and more people join, it's, it's somewhat of a phenomenon, right? I mean, most modern technological advances are not um, uh, embraced by the Orthodox community, I'm sure, that you're meeting people on Facebook from an Orthodox community that likely don't have TVs in their home but are sitting on social media. Is that, I don't know, how do you view that? Is that good, bad, indifferent? Like what's the, uh, what's your evaluation of seeing the, the social networking really go across, just like your shul going completely across the board? I view it as the biggest blessing of our generation. That's the, the easiest answer I can give you. Um, we have now have the opportunity. People on my Facebook page will be having discussions like, well, what kind of person is this? They'll ask themselves at a certain point, is this person a Haredi person? Is this person very modern? Is this person not even from? Is this person care? Is this person not care? Believer, non-believer? And the ideas that we are discussing end up having to have to stand on their own merits instead of because of a person's status in the community. Now, sometimes, of course, those things do tend to have some value, and people will sometimes make right choices about who they want to interact with because oh, they don't want to be exposed to things that they don't want to necessarily have right. to, to learn about. They don't have to. But if one wants the opportunity and one is excited or embraces that opportunity, I think it is the biggest bracha that our, our generation now has the opportunity to go across all spectrum of Judaism, Orthodox, and non to bring about a kind of discussion and a relationship and, and a world and an environment that becomes so different than anything we've ever had before. And you come from a very prominent uh, Jewish family from many different sides, uh, and you're related to many distinguished rabbinic leaders. Would all of them agree with what you just said? I would, I'm certain that they wouldn't. And, no, they would not. And it, it's, there's a lot of factors in why a person would agree or disagree, but one of the factors is generational. Um, people from the generation, which I'm part of, born after 1980, believe it or not, um, have a, have a little bit of a different view generally about diversity and the value of hearing other other people's opinions than 
people from generations that are a little older than us. When I grew up, I almost never had to take something for granted. I could always look on the internet. I was 10 years old and the internet was easily accessible to find out answers to questions that I possibly had or to learn about things that I had um, interest in, whereas people in previous generations may have to work a little bit harder. So our generation has a little bit of a different approach to data, information, and learning new things. Uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is here. He's visiting us from the West Coast. Flew actually uh, through most of the night to be here in New Jersey with us this morning at JM in the AM. He'll be part of our stun show, uh, the Nahum Siegel Network, in the upcoming season. He has a very popular blog. You can check out finkorswim.com. Are you a swimmer, by the way, or is this just a play on words? Yeah, I'm not a swimmer. You're not a swimmer. When I was a kid, I was. So no swimming, no surfing, none of that California stuff. Well, there was actually this um, one of the funny things that happened to us over the last couple of years is that we were on a uh, television program, and part of the show was to, you know, give me the opportunity to connect with the with the, with the world around me in Venice, which I was kind of reluctant to do in some ways because it's not my scene. I'm not a skateboarder, surfer right. kind of guy, um, and I don't love the beach. But they put me on a surfboard. I got on the board and I learned how to surf, and I've done it a few times since. It's <laughs> An unbelievable experience, and I love it, but it's hard for me to remember that I love it because my brain just says, you don't like the beach, you don't like that. But I have done it, and it's actually a really, really great experience. Have you met any great Orthodox surfers? I have. Nachum Schifrin is a famous Orthodox surfer. Really and, good at it. And he's amazing, and he's been at uh, he's been at our show several times. And there's over, over the years, there's people that are interested in coming to surf and have been at the shul, but there are people in my shul that are regular surfers. Every morning, people go to the shul. Surf or shul or surf shul, and that's just their daily routine. <laughs> Unbelievable. Have you written about the current situation where the entire Jewish world is holding its collective breath as three teenagers are being held by the enemy? I've written, perhaps maybe some would say a little too much, but I have written about it. Um, you know, when things are on the consciousness of, of, of the from world, we we have a tendency to discuss them, whether it's in person, whether it's on the Internet, and I feel very strongly that the internet is just another way to have the same conversation that people are having at their Shabbos tables, for example. You know, people have, I once got a, a comment from somebody and I, I still laugh about it because he asked me a question using a Facebook message, mm-hmm. which is for some people private, different than, but and not just private, but it's different than an email or a phone call or right. a text. It's like something different. More like an email. Right. But this person thought it was different. And he sent this, this Facebook message and I answered him within a few minutes right. and he says, wow, how do you have time for all your all your regular correspondence and your Facebook messages. And I said to him, no, no, Facebook messages are regular correspondence. And my point is that, you know, the, the way that we talk about things in real life is really how I view how we talk about things on the Internet. It's a conversation and it evolves and it changes. We change our minds. We learn things all the time in conversations. And some people maybe view the Internet more like a newspaper, which people like have editors and they sit around right. thinking about everything every single word whether it should be here whether it should be there placement on page all those things matter in a newspaper but in in a conversation you just talk about whatever you're thinking about right um was the west coast as focused on this episode the way we were here because i would say in this area it was really dominating everybody's thoughts and still continues to absolutely i don't think you know probably an hour doesn't go by when you don't get an email from some organization or right. some shul or some person that's trying to do something it's like people are struggling grasping at straws to do things and we've had several very very big events but there's also been smaller events that people have done privately and many people are taking a great interest in this and it's really I would say, in, 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 in the worst possible way, has galvanized and solidified and connected the community. We don't wish this on anybody, of course, but it does have that effect. Yeah, there's one fringe benefit, that's for sure. Um, and I remind everybody, today, 12 noon, 42nd Street and 2nd Avenue. Today, 12 noon, 42nd Street, 2nd Avenue. 
make it your business to be there. Lots of sponsoring organizations. We read through them earlier. It's a very impressive list. So did you have a unique take on all this in Think or Swim? Like, what's your perspective on everything? Or were you just commenting about how, in fact, we are united because of this hor- horrific episode? Right. Well, there's a lot of angles. And, um, you know, sometimes what, I'll, what I will do almost on purpose, and, and I say almost, it's because it's more subconscious than conscious, but I will try to find things that are maybe less discussed or defend positions that maybe are less defensible because people are seeing things in a specific way. And sometimes right. if you look at it from a different perspective or understand the broader picture, there's more to say about it. So I've written about it on my blog a couple of times. Um, probably the thing that most people know, know know about me right now with regard to this discussion is a Facebook post that I wrote, which regrettably was unclear, and people took it in a way that was very offensive to many people. And I, um, I'll say publicly on the radio, yeah, I, please. I, I obviously regret the way it was perceived, but I did not mean it in the way that it came out. And it was, uh, it was, I did not think it was going to turn into what it turned into. Um, if you need to know what it is, you can go to my Facebook page. You'll figure it out after a little while if you go to one of the photos. There's one photo there with over a 1,000 comments. But that was not really what my take on the whole situation was. It was just one small part of it. The, the real take that I had on it um, were, was, in, was, in, was in different areas. And um, to kind of show what I really wanted to say about the entire incident, I did a post where I took pictures from across the spectrum of Judaism. Right. Um, and people were having these vigils and prayer services and asifas and gatherings for tefillah. And there were photos people had taken that they sent to me themselves or that they put on other blogs or other websites. And I tried to show how everybody is doing their tefillah or doing their gathering in their own way. They're all a little different. Um, but the fact that we're all doing it in that way, that tefillah or the the, the sense of, of connection with all those people is a super powerful thing. There was, um, I think, what sums up part of what you're saying is uh, when we observed certain people who haven't prayed in years, who insisted on praying because of this episode, and at the same time saw how the Lakewood Yeshiva interrupted their studies to simply stand up and say to Hillam for these three boys. When you think of all that and everything in between, it was just a really heartwarming experience worldwide. It really is, and it's, it's gratifying for me to see this in public because what we always hear about are the other stories, right. the stories where they're you know, they isolating from them and they're isolating from those people. Right. And for me, it's kind of foreign because we don't have that in our shul at all, really. People from both spectrums, both sides of the spectrum, will gather together in Daven on a regular basis. And it's not like there's this uh, there's stigma of isolation from one group to the next so i like to see it in other places because i always get sad when i hear that it's not really that way sometimes in other places so for me that was part of like this um this seeing that this is possible we can do this and for me it shouldn't be just about when we have these types of things that happen i think that this should be the way that we handle things always that we should always have this way of being able to share common jewish experiences um even religious jewish experiences across the spectrum of judaism um, and that's also what, what kind of inspired the initiative where I tried to bring an idea to all shuls, whether they're orthodox or not, um, and, and, to, and to kind of connect all of them um, in a way that would hopefully show people that we can do this together as well. Um, the orthodox community has a very specific view of how non-orthodox Jews go to shul, right. and it's usually very negative. Right. Um, but in Los Angeles, there's a pretty strong non-orthodox Jewish community. And they go to shul, and they have uh, services, and they have a dedication and a passion towards being part of that world, even if they're not as orthodox and halakhically observant, but shul is an important part of their lives. That's why I have a lot of people who aren't from who love coming to my shul. 
The shul is actually on the beach? It's literally on the beach. Literally on Venice Beach. So when I, you open the door. Right. So I have passed that shul. I have been there. That is a common that's thing. That where, that's where Rabbi Lappin was the rabbi, you're saying, for exactly. all those years? And you immediately succeeded him or somebody else was in between? No, no, no. He left in the uh, in the, in the And early there were 90s. plenty of rabbis in between or there were no rabbis in between? There have been about four rabbis between and none have been there for as long as I've been there. Interesting. Wow, so when you say surf and shul, you mean it. They literally walk out of your door and go straight to the ocean. Right, so the door opens, there's a boardwalk, which right. is actually a misnomer because it's actually not made out of wood, whatever, it's a technical <laughs> term, but there's a road. What is it, aluminum? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a road, basically, it's a street, um, but it's a it's a walking street, and right. there's all these vendors that sell all kinds of interesting right. things, and then right, at, right after those people, which is the side of basically a small... You know, like a Muncie-sized Muncie street. Right. <laughs> right on the other side of that is a little grass, and then there's a bike path, and then there's the, the sand. That's really How like far it's do close. you live from the shul? I live very close to the shul. I live about a 10-minute walk from the shul. In a neighborhood that would be called Venice? It's actually Santa Monica. The shul Monica. is on the border of Venice and Santa Monica, pretty much. And uh, north is Santa Monica, south is Venice. And there's it's like a very interesting um, experience walking from one to the next because they are so different. And the way that they enforce their municipal codes changes ex- everything about how the, um, the the public sees the, the communities. In Venice, there's, it's like a, it's like a 24-7, 365-day Mardi Gras party. <laughs> and Santa Monica is like trying to be like this idyllic 1970s small quaint town which has like a bustling downtown but like there's nothing like it's all perfect the veneer is perfect on the outside and then venice is just this extreme opposite so if i did a show from your shul that would be an interesting experience i'd meet some interesting personalities you would you would beg me to do the show there every single week <laughs> because you would never run out of material you could actually just broadcast the play-by-play of what you're witnessing and it would be compelling radio uh you have a family i assume Yes, no. Do, do they enjoy being 10 minutes from the Pacific Jewish Center? We are thrilled that we live there. It's not easy um, to kind of move outside the from community. We don't live in a from community right. per se. Like we live more in what people would could say like a very spor- very sporadically um, sparsely sparsely um, populated out of town community. Right. Um, but the benefits of living on that kind of place are are pretty hard to match. So it took a little while for us. It wasn't. We actually commuted for a long time. Uh-huh. But once we moved there, it was a little bit of a transition. And then once we kind of settled into there, we said, like, this is exactly who we really are, and this is what we want to be. Do your New York relatives visit you there? I've become a little popular. <laughs> Can only imagine. And they never leave, right? <laughs> right. No, we're very blessed that uh, our family has been able to visit us, and you know, from both sides of our family and cousins, and whoever is able to ever come out there, and it's beautiful we love bringing them to the shul also to show them what we're doing there and to show them what kind of experience they can have in a shul like that um so from the from the perspective of kind of showing the world what we do i love having that opportunity but of course welcoming family and being part of the community that we 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 come from and having that kind of um as a satellite uh once in a while is is something that we really we really cherish we have like uh, yeshiva boys come for holidays sometimes you know help out with the spirit of things it's really really we love that to kind of bring those two worlds together not to necessarily compare what happened in uh, northern california decades ago but it sounds a little bit karlbachian the venice beach pacific jewish center you know it's funny it's karlbachian in every way except for the karlbachness right there's not a lot of it's not it's not a shul that it you know there's a shul in Los Angeles famously called a Happy Minion. Right. And they have a lot of singing and dancing. Correct. And if you like that kind of Carl Bachian feel, that's where you go. Right. One member of my shul says, we're the reasonably Happy Minion. <laughs> and You're and, on the road to happiness. <laughs> it's moderately happy. Yeah. We, we have a good time, 
but it's also a much more familiar service. If you're from yeshiva background and you come to our shul, you won't feel like you've stepped into some twilight zone where like there's something familiar about it, but it feels very different. It's right. a regular davening, and you know it's not it's not different in that sense. But the people that are there certainly make a difference. What time do you start job this morning? We start at 9, oh, right on time. You really are a regular shul. <laughs> Rabbi Eliyahu Fink is here. Check out finkorswim.com. I could do this all morning with you, so at some point we have to end, but I can't end before asking you a couple of uh, things um, that I'm curious about from your perspective. Um, not that I'm suggesting one way or the other, because I don't. I, I believe, especially because of one of the reasons, because of geography, I believe this is not my issue to comment on at the moment. Uh, but what is your opinion when you see... Um, young, noticeably Jewish people go on national television. You've written about this, about what happened on America's Got Talent. What was your take? Right. So there's two separate questions. There's the general right. question, and then there's actually... Specific episode. A specific right. episode. But actually, even in a specific episode, there's like the lechachila, and then there's like once it's happened, right. what do you talk about afterwards? Right. Um, look, in general, we Orthodox Jews have tended to try and avoid popular culture, generally, at least the American version of Orthodox Judaism. But there's also an old tradition that goes back farther that people in the Orthodox Jewish community were heavily involved in the, in the popular culture of their times. And it depends on the time and place and different kinds of communities. I don't think there's a truly Jewish answer to this. I think okay. that it's possible to justify any of those positions. Uh, when talking about within American Judaism today, I think it's inevitable. We have a community that is impossible to be completely insular, and there's going to be opportunities for people to have to achieve fame, fortune, success, using mediums other than what we're accustomed to in, uh, in the from communities and yeshivas and schools that we want to kind of promote. So I think that dealing with things in the sense of like whether this is something that we should do or shouldn't do, it's almost like a, it's a, it's a wasteful exercise. The fact is that it's going to happen. It does happen. And we should try and figure out how to prepare for the facts that it's going to happen and try and ha- figure out how to deal with it once it does happen. Um, with, with regard to this particular incident, I don't think there's a person in the world that 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 thinks that this wasn't odd, or strange, or um, challenging to understand um, from the, just the perspective of the context of what happened. You do or don't want to use the word embarrassing. Um, I th- well, it's it, you know, it's not. It's fine to use it because I think each person can subjectively feel right. embarrassed. It's some, things can't be objectively embarrassing. I think there were people who were embarrassed by it. Um, so. It's something that is inevitable, and I think that there, when there are when there are instances when it does happen, there's potential for great opportunity for people to see things that are great. Some people see things that or maybe are not so great. So in the aftermath, you feel there's there's some positive that can come from it. Right. So I, I wrote about this, and I think this is important that people will often say that things must be unambiguously bad. They must be wrong. They must be completely evil. And that's context in which we have to understand things. Things have to be stated as unequivocally right, most one of, or the other. Most of us have grown up with that type of, uh, you know, with those types of instructions. Right. And I think that I, I try to think that we should try and figure out ways. It's almost like a Hasidic thing in a certain way, which is ironic if you know me at all. But there's something about that, that there's always a spark of Kedusha. There's always something that good that we can find in the things that happen. And it's important to me that we try and do that. And we train our minds to see how we can think about things in a way that maybe is not our initial gut reaction. And I think there's value in that. It's not saying that we condone or that we express the glee or joy that this is how it went down. But the fact that it had happened, there could be something that's positive from it. Just because something has all these negative parts of it does not mean it's not not positive overall in the long run for something. Gotcha. Gotcha. And finally, you were part of what many called the historic meeting between uh, people who care, right, let's say rabbinic and Jewish leaders who care, 
and people from the who used to be part of the Orthodox community or grew up in the Orthodox community who would, would admittedly say they are not part of the Orthodox community at, at this moment. In fact, they're somewhat part of an organized community of people who were Orthodox at one time. You were part of this historic meeting. It was recently. It was in the last month or two, right? It was May 11th, so yes. May 11th. There you go. Uh, what was that like? What did you learn from getting together with people who have... Uh, who have drifted away from what some people would call our traditional Judaism. Right. This is a hard question to answer in a soundbite, but there's a lot There's a lot to say about this. The, the thing that I took away from it that was, I think, most important was that there is a lot of willingness and there is a common ground within which we can have a discussion between the two groups. And that is, I think, the most important thing that, that we can possibly do. Um, like, like exactly what I had said previously about the previous question, that there's a tendency to kind of turn things into black and white, you know, from people have a tendency to wear things that are black and white. And uh, I think it's having an effect on our thinking a little bit that we try to kind of make people out to be villains and heroes. And um, we're uncomfortable with, with the complicated hero or the complicated villain. We want our, our rabbis to be perfect. And we want our villains to be perfectly evil. But <laughs> It makes <laughs> life easy, huh? <laughs> it, it does. Um, but not for me, because I'm trying to change that. So it's hard uh, sometimes to kind of retrain our minds to think that there is flaws in what we consider to be the hero side and that there are things that we can learn from what we people might consider to be the villain side but when you sit in the room together and the conversation happens and people are talking it becomes more obvious and um this can change everything because uh, we can learn a lot from each other we can we can try and change the way we divide our community between black and white evil and good hero and villain um, and, and start to try and find that there's obviously a complex mixture of all of that in all of us. And then our from community can be a from community that is inclusive and that our Jewish community can have a more broader um, spectrum of who is considered part of the community with a stake in the community. And when we do that, I think that we benefit those who are in and we benefit those who are out. And we benefit those who are not exactly sure where they are, ambivalent, on the fence, um, when people don't have to make this like choice of like feeling that they have to be in one or the other, right. there's a greater chance that they can have those experiences that are positive. Did any of the um, uh, people from the quote-unquote from side, I can't think of a better way to put it at the moment, uh, insist on anonymity? Or was everyone willing to publicly state that they were part of this get-together? In advance, there was um, there was there was a feeling among several people that they said, "Well, I want to see how this goes. I want people. I don't want people to know that I'm doing this until I've seen how it went, and we can kind of um, project what happened right. in a way that we're all comfortable with." So, in that sense, it started that way. But once the agreement was made after the event was over, people were very happy to have their names attached to it. Really, everybody, everybody. That's a good sign. It was a very good sign, um, and certainly there was, you know. Uh, there was a little bit of an emotional feeling at that moment that kind of maybe pushed them further than maybe they had thought, or there was also this sense that, like, we can do this, and it can be working in a broader and greater and more popular sense, and maybe that does, obviously, any feelings that we have kind of dissipate sometimes. Satisfy my curiosity, and we're way over time, but I just got to get something on this out of you. Uh, I understand the, you know, the philosophical challenge, and I understand the desire to be in conversation with people who've gone through all this. I get all that, and I have the same curiosities, and would love to be part of a group like that. But, but tell me something you learned that, that just floored you. In other words, you're familiar, I'm sure. You've met plenty of people in life who come from from families and are now involved in stuff that the from community would, uh, would certainly never condone and if anything they would condemn. But was there anything that just, I don't know, 
shocked you like crazy <laughs> or, you know, that you, that you can convey to us that, that we wouldn't believe if we would be a little different, how different things would be for them? Give me something. Give me right. something that, uh. Well, it's, it's hard to shock me. Let's start with that. Right. <laughs> so, hey, you're on Venice <laughs> Beach. Come on. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. Um, but the, the truth is the thing that I think was most profoundly surprising to many people was the amount of interest that the people who had left had in us. And so many of the people Interest were, meaning curiosity or love? I'll, ex- I'll explain. When I invited people from the from side to come to this, they said, oh, I know why I would want to go, but why would they want to go? That was the question. And people were saying, what are they going to get out of this? What's the point for them? And this, I think, is the thing that is hardest for some people to believe, that although some of these people may write scathing blog blogs or, 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 or books, books or, or say things that offend us or hurt us, they still feel like our brothers and sisters. And when your brother and sister has a different life than you do, it doesn't change the fact that you're still brothers and sisters. And they want to be a part of what we do. They want to have a stake in what we say. They want to have a connection to what we do. They don't want to feel like just because they've made those choices, they have to leave completely. And now some people in the front community say, well, even if that's true, I don't care. They still they, they made their choice. Right. They have to leave. Right. But it's still a shocking thing to people to hear that those who have made these choices that through whatever circumstances led them away are still passionately interested. Which would indicate to me that many of them understand just how precious life is in our community. In other words, they, they, there are certain things that we, that we do on a daily, weekly basis that they would, that they'd like to be involved with. This is absolutely true, but it's, and I, sh- I you know what, I should be careful to say this, not everybody, obviously. Right. This is, there are, there's no But such you were thing shocked at the numbers, at the percentages. Right, and there are a lot of people that say, you know, I don't want to be part of this because right. I have nothing to do with that anymore, but from the, there, there's a significant portion of that group that says that that's still who I am, I just don't practice. I don't do the stuff that they right. do, but that's still that's still who I identify as. Sort of like the shul I don't have in is an Orthodox shul. <laughs> it's a little different, but I can see this. But you, you know, you've heard that before, right? No, but yeah, you're right. There's an right. idea that it, it, it's not. See, this is a little different. The reason it's different is because that's kind of like it's almost like uh, that's that's what I don't do, and that's how I identify. Right. People aren't necessarily identifying about what they don't do. Um, they actually identify as saying that I'm. From a, from community. Maybe I should have said it differently. By shuls and Orthodox synagogue, I don't go often enough. Maybe I should have put it yeah, that Yeah, and right. by the way, how rare is that today? That's right. not something that happens Correct. often. It's certainly not an American phenomenon, right. unless so, you look maybe to the Sephardic community or right. something. Right, and South African as well. Right. But it's hard for the Ashkenazi from mainstream right. community to kind of relate to this. And when we see this from the people who have left, it is interesting for us to note right. that this does exist. I wonder if it's because of that reason that the Ashkenazi community has probably been most affected by movements that have been, you know, non-orthodox that have come up over the decades. It's possible that that may be one of the reasons. I, one of my theories about these types of things is that we actually chose the wrong version of Judaism to infuse and, impl- and superimpose onto America. Right. We chose the Eastern European model where right. everyone was trying to kill us. And uh, we're here in America where we have kind of more freedom that's more similar to like maybe 15th century, I shouldn't say 15th, but 13th century Spain. Right. Um, and we, we didn't choose that model. Uh, the South African community in, um, in, in, and they were from Lithuanian community, did choose that. But they adjusted, right? And their community is actually, I think, what a model of what American Judaism could and hopefully should be. And that's what right. we try to do in my show. Rabbi Fink, you're a fascinating man, to say <laughs> the least. Unbelievable. It's, Everybody can check out your work on finkorswim.com. They can visit you at the Pacific Jewish Center in California. You'll be back there uh, approximately when? How long is your visit to New York? I'll be the next Shabbos. Oh, really? <laughs> you're, already, you're already back. Where can they see you this Shabbos? So we're not revealing that. I'm actually 
It's going to be in Baltimore of all places. There you go. Family cinema. So if you're down in Baltimore this Shabbos, you have a chance to meet Rabbi Fink. Otherwise, head to California uh, after that, and he'll be back at the Pacific Jewish Center. And we thank you for accepting our offer to be part of our uh, uh, network team. We look forward to that. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll see you out there in California one day. It sounds like an intriguing group of people you get to uh, to meet every single morning. It is a very exciting uh, place to be on a regular basis, and uh, hopefully we're, we're looking forward to the uh, Nachum Siegel remote from Venice Beach. I appreciate that. It should be very interesting. Uh, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, uh, check out finkorswim.com. Fascinating conversation on a Tuesday at JM in the AM.
Hashem. Uh, I wanted to mention, by the way, or I think mentioned to me, that uh, Haaretz hosts his blog. And that was the first place where his concept of leaving three empty chairs open for the uh, three boys in Israel, Elad, Eyal, uh, uh, Gilad, and uh, Naftali, uh, was first published. Now you can find it on thinkorswim.com. And again, credit to Rabbi uh, Fink for the three empty chairs idea. I know that we did it in our shul, and he has pointed out to me that the shuls right to left, left to right, have been doing it. And uh, many of them started this past Shabbos. So uh, hopefully this uh, situation is going to be resolved way before this coming Shabbos. But if not, it's maybe something you want to implement and um, and take on as a new custom tradition for your synagogue. Three empty chairs in honor of the three boys until they're safe return that we pray for. And uh, like I said, hopefully uh, it'll be a non-issue this Shabbos and they'll be home with their families very, very soon. JM and the AM reaction to our conversation uh, with uh, Rabbi Fink on uh, Twitter. I want to thank, actually on Facebook. Was it Facebook or Twitter? No, it was Twitter. I want to thank the sports rabbi. <laughs> Josh Alekman wrote in how he's enjoying the uh, conversation with Rabbi Fink, and I thank him for that. Uh, listener Yummy is up in Toronto. Says, good morning, gents, listening live from Toronto. Thank you, Yummy. And uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in and um, uh, enjoyed the conversation. You'll hear more of Rabbi Fink on our network here in uh, the future. And I remind everybody, speaking of network, that uh, our network app week is on. And it's uh, it's an amazing celebration. I remind you that uh, I want to congratulate Shimon from Teaneck, who won yesterday. Those of you who want to win the chocolate gift baskets from Gourmet Glot today, all you have to do is go to the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page, like today's Day 2 image. It's the Day 2 image that you'll see up there. And whoever likes it the most and shares it the most, etc., We'll win that prize courtesy of our friends at Gourmet Glot on Long Island, and I thank them. And don't forget on Twitter, the hashtag for this week is NSN App. That's NSN App. Whoever uses that hashtag the most this week in your Twitter updates is uh, going to uh, head to somewhere in the continental United States. Trip for two, absolutely free, uh, courtesy of our friends at Traveler's Choice. Restrictions do apply, but that'll be the prize at the end of the week. Whoever uses the Nahum Siegel Network app, NSN App, uh, hashtag as much as possible. My thanks to both Matis Weingast and Miriam L. Wallach for introducing us to Rabbi Eliyahu Fink. A very productive conversation this morning here at JM and the AM. Shalvim and Shalvim for Women annual dinner takes place tonight at the Museum of Jewish Heritage with cocktails beginning at 6 p.m. Information, shalvimdinner.org, shalvimdinner.org. Want to wish a mazel tov to the Fine Cats and Man families. We had an amazing time celebrating with Rebecca Fine and uh, Jason Katz last night in the uh, Marina del Rey up in the Bronx. So to Rebecca and Jason Katz, we say Mazal Tov. And, of course, uh, to Robert and the entire JM and the AM family. Um, we had an amazing time there last night. We're all uh, we're all wiped out from staying so late and enjoying the celebration. But, boy, was it worth it. Just an incredible wedding celebration. And, again, to the Fine and Katz and Man families, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. More coming up. Thanks for keeping it at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world in the web, jmtheam.org.
Congratulations going out to Rifki Spry and uh, Hindu Spry on graduation, uh, graduating high school. That comes from uh, Yossi Zweig and Mati and the entire family and from all of us here at JM and the AM. Mazdav, guys, to the entire Spry family from all of us here at JM and the AM. Uh, let's see, what else do we have for you? Listeners, Sina wrote in, Mazel Tov. To awesome sister and brother-in-law, Rabbi David and Robin Nyman of Cedarhurst, celebrating anniversary number 28. 28's Koach, and that's what you two represent. Uh, you've shown everyone how to handle life's challenges with courage and grace. May Hashem help you celebrate many, many happy years together. That's from Sina and George. And Mazel Tov to Mordechai Gifter of Staten Island, celebrating his Anachas Tefillin this morning. Mazel Tov to Mordechai's mommy and tati, or by Yaakov and Shoshana Gifter and all the siblings. Mordechai, we're so proud of you. You know who that is. Bubby and Zadie, Florida, of course. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Always great to hear uh, wonderful news from uh, the Sunshine State in the form of a uh, of a listener, Cena uh, and Ira, message over the airwaves here at JM in the AM. And also, uh, if we go back a few days, Mazel Tov to Tehila Gifter of Staten Island, who graduated from the RJJ Kindergarten. Mazel Tov to Tehila's big sister, Shane, who graduated from the RJJ 8th grade. And uh, we, Mommy and Tati and all your siblings, are so very proud of you. And Mazel Tov and happy anniversary number 18. That's Chai, Trevi Yaakov and Toshana Gifter, who just recently celebrated a happy Chai anniversary. So Ima and Abba down in Florida are very busy, thank God putting together all these Mazel Tov wishes and celebrating with their amazing family. And we say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Don't forget to like the uh, image, like the Day 2 image that you could win today's amazing prize during App Week. Go to the Day 2 image, which you'll find on the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. Make sure to like it as much as possible and share it as much as possible. You could be the big winner of the Tuesday prize and of course plenty more tomorrow here at jmm speaking of tomorrow ding is scheduled for tomorrow we will do the brand new hask release which just came out so ding is scheduled in studio tomorrow morning here at jm in the am and if you want to know about heading to the catskills and everything you need to know about heading to the catskills this thursday is the day yankee meyer from miss askim has a dedicated this coming thursday morning to tell us everything we need to know to know about summer safety for 2000 and 14. So before you head up on Thursday, make sure you're tuned in right here at JM in the AM.
Kramer and Company with Hamalach HaGoel, dedicated to Ayal, Gilad, and Naftali. If you're in Manhattan today, join all those who will be at the rally at 2nd Avenue and 42nd Street. That's 2nd Avenue and 42nd Street at 12 noon today. Please be there. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Hey, I want to take this opportunity to wish uh, Lori and Dr. Joe Rosazada and their wonderful boys a very special Mazel Tov. The Rosazadas yesterday had a brand new baby girl. That's right. There's a little sister for all those boys, Baruch Hashem. So to Lori and Joe and the entire family, uh, a very special Mazel Tov and Mabruk from all of us here at uh, JM in the AM. Did I say that in Iran? I don't know. I have to find out. Ah, uh, but they certainly say Mazal Tov, that I could tell you. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Tomorrow, Ding will be here, the brand new Time for Music uh, release and plenty more. Make sure to be tuned in, and thanks so much for joining us. Uh, head to our Facebook update page for all the details on the big contest. That's the Nachum Siegel Network Facebook update page. Check it out today. Until tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.